Thank you for being willing to do this. So for sure. Let's for sure. this up. Mm. Boss by Beyonce. Yes. And Jay Z. I forgot. I almost <laughs> forgot. Yeah, you can't forget hoes. You can't forget hoes at all, man. Ain't this is like I, I remember uh, there used to be this podcaster that said Hove raised me and I was like I kind of mm-hmm. relate to that a little bit. Nah, for real. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Cuz like I'm not like a huge fan of rap music like you yeah. know what I mean but it was interesting about me is that I love R&B music okay. but there's a part of me that really loves trap music too okay. <laughs> so it's like you, you, you like one day you might get money bag yo the next day you might get Anita Baker so it's like I'm very like you know my, my taste in music is kind of all over the place but yes, Jay Z and Beyonce is my favorite for sure. I I feel like the thing that I just love about them is their ability to kind of like embody excellence without having to do a lot. Exactly. And that's exactly. like that's the thing that I think like I know they're doing a lot behind the scenes, but it's sure. like that ability is is crazy because it it requires so much poise mm-hmm. and like and grace. Every, yeah, and like everything happening around you, people throwing salt in your name, just whatever. It's for like sure. all the distractions. Being able to ignore that and constantly say what is the goal. Yep. I think that's crazy. So. And it's just a matter of how successful they've become. Like, they are truly, they truly embody black excellence at its core. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's why I've always, like, appreciated everything they do. Yeah. And honestly, like, I've never been disappointed. You know what I mean? Like I said, like, a lot of people know, know Ross to be a huge Beyonce fan, but I'm also a huge Jay-Z fan. Okay, okay. Why do you think that it, re- like, what is it about Hope other than embodying black excellence that you think, it, like, resonates with you, though? there's a lot of other, you know, images out there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that black excellence is definitely number one okay. because the stuff that he raps about the stuff that he talks about like yeah. I think that I kind of aspire to it a little bit you okay. know what I mean I know a little bit I mean don't sell yourself I, short right don't sell myself <laughs> short you're right okay. I don't it's not that I don't want to be a rapper by any means that's okay. not the talent that that's God bless me with right. <laughs> but that. But I, I look at him as a as a successful black man. Okay. And that is something that I am embodying myself and I'm still aspiring to be. Okay. If that makes sense. So when you say a successful black man, like what do you mean by that? Like, do you mean just his kind of like his ability to generate revenue and like income? Like all of that. What you, okay, so all of that. But but spell it out for me. Like, what is it that in particular that like if you were looking? Well, you know what? I'm gonna hold off on that question because I'm gonna ask something similar later. Okay. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and introduce this episode, another episode of the I Don't Know Tom podcast. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming through and listening again. I also want to send a shout out to my girl Mo, who's been a consistent listener <laughs> uh, for weeks now. So I truly appreciate the love and support that you've been showing me. Um, but I'm here with another guest on the I Don't Know Tom podcast who's agreed to share his story. Um, if you don't know him, this is the one and only Ross. I'm clapping up for Ross. I'll, you want if you want to put your last name out there, you could do it. That's but I don't cool. Put, I Everybody know me, Ross, Ross Johnson, okay, okay. aka Ross the Boss, aka Bossy, <laughs> aka okay, Rossy to Bossy. It's all cool. I should realize. I should have done my homework and realized you had aka. So it's I'm sorry. Cool. It's cool. Uh, I, I got to do better. So. And these are aka's that people gave me. Oh, okay, like you see, know what I mean. I feel that, like I've I've always been Ross. Okay. Or 
Rossi. Like some of my family members call me Rossi. Okay. But like as I got older, all my friends start throwing out all these little <laughs> nicknames to describe me. So it's just kind of stuck. Okay. But like where do you where do you think they like or why was it that they gave you these nicknames? Like different situations, just your charisma? What is it? I think, you know, Ross rhymes with boss. Ross the boss. And okay. I think that Fair people enough. say that because, you know, you know, growing up, I've always been, you know, the academic student, straight okay. A's, high on a roll, all of that. Okay. Went to college, Dean's List, all of that came okay. out, Can't working for the, the <laughs> bank, you know what I mean? And yeah. I've consistently moved up in my career, so I think that people just label me as a boss, but what yeah. people don't know is that I don't manage people, so okay. I don't I don't have a, a team of employees that I manage or anything like that. That is something that I'm aspiring to do okay. over time, but um, it's just something that kind of stuck. I just think people think about the stuff that I do out here in okay. the community it kind of and it kind of like associates itself with the word boss if you will I I will I will concur I do know well I didn't know a lot of those things but I do know some of those things in terms of like being friends with you on Facebook I've seen mm -hmm. your milestones and your accomplishments and you know hopefully like you know sent my like and, and offered <laughs> you know, offered that support and praise because yeah. it's definitely well deserved but I, I don't think it's just like the accomplishments. I mean, let's not forget the drip. Like you came yeah. in here like a boss. <laughs> like there's a lot of gold you got on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so like, but, but here's the thing though. This is this is really who I am. Like absolutely. people know I love Jordans. Okay. Like them is the shoes I'm gonna always rock to the day I die. Jordans, okay. Tim's. Like okay. that's what I've always Favorite been known Jordan? to rock. Um, wines, wines, elevens. Okay. Like that. All right, elevens. Yes. All right, elevens. Yeah, I was for sure. Wines is the easy answer, but elevens I respect. But that, you know yeah. what? I didn't really become a fan of wines until okay. like within the last three years. What do you think that was? You just bought into the hype a little bit. Some, going some, on? <laughs> like one of my friends yeah. kind of like hyped it up, hyped okay. up ones, and okay. then when I got my first pair of ones, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I like these. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But before that, it was always elevens. Okay, always yeah. elevens. I feel like eleven. The elevens, in my opinion, is that. Definitely one of the better ones. I mm -hmm. really like the 13s because it was, was like the first Jordans I've yeah. ever owned. Uh, but the ones, I feel like it's like that. For me, it's that retro feel in the sure. new time. And it's like a really nice silhouette. Mm -hmm. And it has like so much culture with it, too. It's for like sure. the first one ever. So for I definitely sure. respect the ones being on the list. I won't knock it. But <laughs> it's not just and the ones, though. Like I said, you keep going. You know, you it, said the Thames and keep going. Keep all going. of that. And see, let me explain the jersey. Okay, so like, right. you know, my dad, God rest his soul, Absolutely. was a hard core Dallas Cowboys fan okay. like you know what I mean born and raised in Pittsburgh in Lormer born and raised okay. in Lormer, Lormer hates the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> and you know raised me and my brothers and my mom yeah. raised all of us to not like the Steelers either okay. so it's like have you ever met somebody born and raised in Pittsburgh that don't like the Steelers it's unreal my, like, my great aunt was one of those people I used to I, I'm gonna out myself here but I used to root for the Cowboys too because okay. when I, my great one of my great aunts was a, the only Cowboys fan in our entire household and okay. we were watching the Super Bowl, and she was the only one in the house rooting for the Cowboys. That's how we were. There you go. Because <laughs> we're won. loyal. Yep. We're loyal. <laughs> they could have the worst season ever, and I'm still be loyal to well, them. Well, you were a lot more loyal them. than I was because that <laughs> jumped off the boat. I'm done. I'm and good. I saw this throwback in Miss Smith. When I saw <laughs> it in the store, because I, I bought this last year, when I saw it yeah. in the store, I was like, yeah, I got to have that. That's clean, though. That. Definitely a clean person, man. Definitely a clean dude. But in terms of being all of those things, I will ask you the first question because you named that or you, you spoke about your friends giving you nicknames. You mm -hmm. spoke a lot about like the things that you've accomplished. But in very I wouldn't even say simple terms, but I'm going to ask a very simple question. Who are you in your mind and how you would define yourself? Who are you? So 
<laughs> when I think of me okay. in particular, so I would say Ross Johnson is a uh, professional black man. Okay. Who is HBCU educated. Okay. Um, professional, like I said, professional black man, HBCU educated. Um, I would say very, very passionate about people of color. Okay. Um, gaining success in their careers. Okay. And I'll talk about that later about what I do and stuff at the bank. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very passionate about people of color getting an education as well as having the resources and having access to the resources for their overall professional development. Mm. Um, I'm very passionate about um, music. You okay. know what I mean? I'm not a rapper or singer like I mentioned you earlier. Said that, I feel like <laughs> God you didn't bless me with that talent. But <laughs> okay. uh, I, lo- I love R&B music. I also love a little trap. You know, I think that when people think of me and when I think about myself as a person, those are the things that I would say or Ross Johnson. OK, well, those are your strong suits. Is that and how you fam, do- I would say also not to cut you no, off. Go ahead. Please, you off, do. But, Please um, do. Go ahead. I'm very, very passionate about my family. Like, you know what I mean? You said you follow me on on Facebook, yep. so you know yes. um, I'm constantly posting my friends and family. I love my friends and family. So, Absolutely. you know, they're a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. So it sounds like family, the uplifting of your people and just career, the, the career aspirations for yourself, mm-hmm. like that ability to keep moving forward and doing all of that to some form of a soundtrack because you love music yes. and all of those things. Yes, yes. All right, so so why is it that those things are the things that jump out to you of all the things in the world that could like define who you are? Why those things? I think that I picked those things specifically because, um, yeah, it's cool. Um, I picked those things specifically because, um, you know, growing up, I've always been super, super close with my family. Um, I come from a two-parent household. My parents were married for 42 years. Mm. Um, so I've always had both of my parents in the house. I have an older okay. brother. So I'm the youngest. So okay. everybody's severely protective of me. Um, even when I was in school, you know, not the brag or nothing, but, <laughs> you know, I've, I've always been a scholar. You there know? you go. Um, uh, how on a roll, good student, all of that. So I pride myself in that HBCU education. Shout out to Hampton University. Okay, shout um, out to I'm Hampton. a proud alum. Absolutely. Um, so when I think about the HBCU culture, like it's just all about the glory mm-hmm. of, of being black and okay. the, the honor and the, the black excellence, like all of that is mm-hmm. wrapped up in the HBCU culture. But when I graduated and got out into the real world, it wasn't so loving. It wasn't mm-hmm. so, you know, it wasn't peaches and cream every day. Absolutely. I struggled a little bit. You know how it is, um, you know, being a black man in corporate America wasn't always mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I but I feel like that I've reached a point in my life where things are going well for me, mm-hmm. but they could always be better. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I'm not where I want to be, mm-hmm. but I'm grateful for the ride that I've been on so far. Absolutely. Um, professional development. So I sit on the board of directors for uh, NEED, which stands for the Negro Educational Emergency Drive, um, which is the oldest nonprofit in the city of Pittsburgh. And I've been on the board for about 10 years now. And now I'm the president of the board. So I've been the president of the board (laughs) for about maybe... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been president of the board for about maybe two, three years now or so. Okay. And uh, I picked that board to join because, you know, I feel like 
when you're in corporate America and you have all these achievements, all these accolades, it is very important to serve the community. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to pick an organization that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I picked Need in particular because Need is very, very passionate about making sure people of color Mm -hmm. reach high school, graduate, and have the resources they need to get to college. And these are things that I've always been passionate about. Now, what's interesting is that when I graduated from Alderdice, Mm -hmm. I didn't get nothing from Need. (laughs) So I could have been a little jealous like damn like they ain't give me nothing like you know what I mean Could've but that was the time example. right yeah, right but, but you know what it wasn't about me it was about serving the community and I love their mission I love what they stand for and uh, I think that as I continue to get older and more mature I would love to continue to be the face of that organization mm. and just being out in the community and, and helping students. And even if there's students out there that don't want to go to college, I want to be able to be an advocate for them as well, because it's like, it's okay yeah. if you don't want to go to college, but you still want to have access to the resources for your own professional development. So, I, Yeah. I, I think, I mean, one, I think that I salute all of those efforts because I think that, it's very easy to say that you were a scholar, right? And that, but mm-hmm. I think that what doesn't get said in saying that is that it takes a tremendous amount of discipline, yes, um, in order to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I think you know it's amazing, or it's amazing that your family and in, in all the things that could have gone wrong, and you know the history of Black America that mm-hmm. they managed to stay together for forty-two years, yes. right? And, and to raise you and to raise such an excellent child, right? Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about all of those things is that they definitely describe who you are but what i'm interested is like why is it that you feel like just is it just being a baby that family is so important to you like yeah what it what is that what it is that is oh exactly what it is (laughs) (laughs) you hit you hit it on the spot that's exactly what it is and and honestly you know i have an older brother who's four years older than me but we're totally different like like day and night and what's interesting is that we're both capricorns our birthdays are or three days apart i'm january 8th he's january 11th was like but we're four years different okay and when i say we're different it's that you know when you all the things that I described about me, then yeah. the stuff stuff that I'm passionate about, he's the total opposite. Like if you would meet him, you wouldn't think that we <laughs> like like you could look at us and tell that we're brothers. But yeah. you know, the one thing that we do have in common is our sense of humor okay. because it's like, yeah, I can be professional all day, yeah. but I love to laugh. I love to go. have a good time, okay. and I think that's the thing that connects us. But mm. my brother is severely overprotective of me. My father was protective mm. over me, and my mom is too, in a in a way, yeah. you know. So I think that growing up I've always been a baby but I also I feel the need to protect them as well I was I was gonna ask that it sounds like in a lot of and, and not it doesn't sound like just them it sounds like in essence this greater family in, in the black American experience mm-hmm. because you know being a member of the HBCU you mentioned that you know being there had a profound impact on you in a way mm-hmm. in your black experience and then graduating and realizing that it wasn't that it almost makes complete sense that you would immediately, as someone who's scholarly like yourself, look for avenues to yeah, correct yeah, that. Yeah, because like I remember when I my senior year at Alderdice, my mom being a baby, she wanted me in Pittsburgh. Oh, you got to go to <laughs> Carnegie Mellon. You got to go to Pitt. You got to yeah. go to Duquesne. Tom, I was not trying to be in Pittsburgh <laughs> at all. Like, you know what I mean? I had went to Alderdice and, you know, loved my experience at Alderdice, yeah. but Alderdice was predominantly white. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? And... The, I, I grew up between Homewood and Wilkinsburg my whole life. So it's like I, I'm not in and going to school with a bunch of white people from Stewart Academy in middle school to high school. Yeah. I wanted to go to an HBCU. I was determined. Mm-hmm. But my mom still made me to apply to them <laughs> schools. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, parents are in charge. So I what understand. could I say? Yeah. But I think what helped me 
select Hampton was because, you know, I apply. I remember applying for like six colleges mm-hmm. and I got accepted and saw all six. I applied to three, three PWIs and three HBCs and I didn't get scholarship money for none of the schools, mm. which really pissed me off because it's like I worked my ass off in high school. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I high on a roll, all of that. Never got a C <laughs> until I got to college. Like, I'm so I'm, serious. I'm, I have a, A's and B's my entire life. Never had a C until I got to college. That's crazy. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, some school's going to give me something. Yeah. Got nothing. So I think at that point I'd in time, been pissed. My, bro- <laughs> my, my brother, he didn't go to college. So it was like, well, Ross, you're the only one, so you can go wherever you want to go. Mm. So I'm like, I'm narrowing it down. I'm like, well, that's process elimination let's get them the pwis out the way i ain't going there (laughs) um and the three hbcus it was howard hampton and morehouse and i I remember you know everybody want to go to howard university the homecoming the celebrities and all of that but it's like i'm a i'm a leader not a follower like you know what i mean like and it's like somebody (laughs) in the family had to start the hampton legacy because like you know both my godparents went to howard i got a cousin my cousin tammy went to howard so I know a lot of people that came out of Howard and a people that came out of Morehouse, but nobody in the family came out of Hampton. So I okay. had to be the first and the only. Okay. Excuse me. All right. <laughs> I had All to right. be the first and only. And it was the greatest decision I made. Greatest Absolutely. decision I made. What, so when you say that you had to be the first, like, it, do you have that? And, and you also said you were associated with being a boss. Mm-hmm. You also said that it's your goal to lead people. What is it about that quality of like, you know, maybe breaking new ground or excelling. Like, why is that so important to you? I think it's important to me because I think that people of color grow up Mm -hmm. and they're so used to seeing non people of color Mm -hmm. and leadership roles and, you know, dominating these different industries. Like for example, you know, I work in banking and financial services. That is a white man's industry. Mm -hmm. There is not a lot of people of color in management positions or leadership roles. And I'm really trying to change that. Like, you know what I mean? So, I'll kind of talk to you about what I do at the uh, bank. So, please do. Yeah. Um, so I work in human resources. Absolutely. And um, my, what's interesting is that my story is a little different with my career. So I kind of started off. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated from Hampton, moved back to Pittsburgh. And what people are surprised to know about <laughs> me is that my first job at the bank was working in collections. Mm. And I tell and I like to tell that story because. Mm. I look at so many other people who start in roles that they didn't go to college for. And it's mm. like, damn, like I went to college for this high expensive ass degree <laughs> yeah. and I'm starting at the bottom. But it's, yeah. but but it was a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was a humbling experience. And I made a lot of money, by the way. And there it taught go. me the business of banking, mm-hmm. which is something that I did not study in school. Mm-hmm. So started off in collections. Got my master's degree, moved on to underwriting, and then I moved into a career in human resources. My first job in HR was a recruiter. Okay. And I was so passionate about that job because it's like I didn't – it was something that was kind of placed in my lap. I, I look at that as a blessing that was just thrown to my lap yeah. because I remember a manager calling me. I, I remember having an informal conversation, kind of like what we having right now, yeah. about my interest in working in HR. And I remember going back to my managers and they thought I was crazy because I was doing so well in underwriting. They were yeah. like, why you want to leave? <laughs> and I'm like, because this is what I, you know, this yeah. is what my purpose is. I, I think mm-hmm. I need to work in HR, but I didn't know it was going to be recruiting. Though. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. so I remember getting my first job as a recruiter and I'm just killing it. I'm hiring people left and right. I'm killing mm-hmm. it. But I remember they started me off in entry level roles. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there were a lot of people of color applying for these 
entry-level roles, wasn't making enough money, and I got tired of seeing them mm. numbers, Tom. Like, yeah. I got tired of seeing that. So then I got promoted to support um, internal audit and risk management, which okay. are businesses that require a degree, a lot of experience, and I was so determined to bring as much people of color into those businesses as mm. possible because – when you see black people, Latinos, Asians, whatever have you, mm-hmm. in these businesses, that reflects change. And I Absolutely. want people to look at that as an example of that could be you as well. Yeah. And I remember when I was in college, I took a class called um, Black Psychology. Mm-hmm. And there was this book that we read called The Souls of Black Folk. It was by mm-hmm. W.E.B. Du Bois. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kind of talked about his theory called The Talented Tenth. And basically mm-hmm. what that is is that he felt as though 10% of the black race was going to grow up and become doctors, lawyers, engineers, educators, PhDs, whatever have you. And it's our responsibility as a race Mm -hmm. to go back into our communities to help everybody else that did not make it or Mm -hmm. was not awarded the same resources that we did. And I really resonated with that. So when I became a recruiter, Mm -hmm. I was determined to bring as many people of color in as possible and to make sure that they, if they didn't want to hire them, to make sure that I got a, a, a clear understanding why. Okay. Because you wasn't just going to come back to Ross and be like, um, <laughs> I'm, this person was more qualified. Okay, well, why? Why are exactly. they more qualified? Like, you okay. know what I mean? Like, you, like and accountability. And I think, right, accountability. I was yeah. making sure that these leaders were being held accountable for not hiring diverse talent. Like, mm. I was really on them. And it really worked out in my favor. Yeah. So now I've transitioned out, the, out of the recruiter role and I work as a talent consultant in our mm. talent management division. And pretty much what we do in that job is we don't hire people, but we mm-hmm. kind of focus on internal mobility. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're focused on internal career development, making sure that like, say, for example, I will be the person going to your boss. Yeah. And your boss is coming to beat me basically and saying, you know, uh, Tom's great. Tom's this. Tom's that. Um, and I said, well, if Tom is so great. What are you doing about it, Mr. Manager? Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, do we need to put Tom on a new project? Do we need to give him more money? Do we need to relocate him? Yeah. Those are the types of things and the conversations that mm. I have. So I'm challenging managers and executives okay. about their talent okay. and keeping them accountable, accountable. Okay. <laughs> for doing okay. what they're supposed to do. Okay. Um, and then advocating for internal mobility. Why are we going to hire somebody from outside yeah. when we already have the talent in-house to do okay. this job? And you're going to pay somebody outside $20,000 more money, pay that person internally that money. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So those are the types of conversations I'm in. I'm, and I love my job. I'm really passionate about mm-hmm. it. And I just want to continue to focus on advocating for people of color. Yeah. Always. I, I feel like in in like it, it's very clear that not only do you possess the motivation and like the the earnest like interest in seeing black people and, and your brothers and sisters do better, it also seems like you have like the know how to actually execute it, which Absolutely. is one of the things that, you know, people don't always possess in tandem, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm what I'm fascinated by is someone who <clears throat> excuse me, has done DEI work is the fact that like I remember a student told me once that he was working in the Peace Corps and uh, one of the people there told him that he has to have a selfish reasons for why he's doing the work or else it won't be sustainable. Because if you only do it for other people, eventually you burn out of that type of energy. So that that was his thought. And it resonated with me because I was able to see for myself what I get out of this. I'm curious if you've ever thought like, what do you get out of it? You know, other than just seeing others succeed, like if you had to like, think of what you personally separate from anybody else gaining from it. What do you think that is? (sighs) 
if, if, if I'm being a little selfish. Um, Be a lot selfish. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm being a little selfish, um, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I do like the spotlight a little bit. What do you you mean? know what I mean? Sometimes I do like the okay. attention a little bit. And I okay. think that, you know, if I'm doing all this extra stuff to help yeah. other people along, like, it's gonna come back it's to you. It's gonna come back to me. Okay, and well, the let's, blessings are gonna come back tenfold. Well, let me let me challenge the hesitancy around you saying it because I understand the stigma around that, right? Yeah, because I'm not a selfish person I, by any I, means, and I and I get that. Like, I, let's let's remove that out the window. There, other people listening to this may say something. I don't know. This is not yeah, a judgmental Tom, there's space. There's a lot of people that don't like I, me. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> we ain't got time for them today. We, this is not a judgmental space, right? My thing is, what is it about the spotlight? that you like if you were to think about that and there's no wrong answer the Please. attention the attention the attention and i yeah. think you know i feel like growing up even though i was the baby so mm-hmm. my brother would probably argue differently <laughs> okay um, gotta get your brother a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people would think that i grew up with all the attention and mm-hmm. all of that and i really think i didn't mm-hmm. i really think my brother got more attention and i think it was because because we were so drastically different. Yeah. Um, you know, he was the rebel. Yeah. He didn't do so great in school, mm. but he's so successful now in the work yeah. that he does. So it's Absolutely. like, you know, growing up, it's almost like they had to pay more attention to him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Ross is fine. Mm. We don't need to worry about him. Mm-hmm. And my friends do the same thing. Yeah. They're like, oh, Ross is fine. We yeah. don't need to worry about him. But it's like sometimes I do like a little attention. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. I do want my friends and family to, you know, to worry you about worry me about or you. look at me a little bit more. You know, sometimes I do. But it, it, it is nice to know that they trust me in a sense. And yeah. I grew up a little bit more mature. Yeah. Um, but I'm but sometimes I, I go back to that child phase <laughs> where I still, you know, want to be coddled a little bit, want to be paid more attention. And, you know. And I'm sure you're gonna ask me about my dad and everything. But, <laughs> I'm not gonna um, ask you anything. No, 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 no. Okay, it's, go it's ahead, cool. Go ahead. It's, okay. it's cool because okay. you know my dad spoiled me rotten, Tom. Mm. Like <laughs> rotten, and it's like you know I love talking about my dad because a lot of people, a lot of my friends didn't have that same experience. Mm-hmm. And I like to tell people because, you know, if anybody follows me on social media, they'll know I post my deck left and right. Mm-hmm. And I remember there were a few people that inboxed me and was like, you need to go to grief counseling and mm. you need to stop posting your dad. And I'm like, don't ever in your fucking life tell me <laughs> what I need to be doing. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just because your dad wasn't a part I of your life, you. that sounds like a PP, a personal problem. Like, you know what I mean? I so it's like okay. I get a lot of backlash from that, but like mm-hmm. people don't understand mm-hmm. the amazing man that my father father was yeah and how he literally did everything for me tom i mm-hmm. mean i'm talking about not only did he raise me you know and put me through college and all of that but like we were talking about a man that did my grocery shopping this is how spoiled i was <laughs> did my grocery shopping tom i never did my own grocery shopping <laughs> like at all you know my dad it was so funny my dad was the dad that would come home and he'd go through all the ads so he yeah. called me like ross you know save like our ribeye steaks for sale <laughs> you, you want me to go pick you up a pack like you know what i mean and he would do my shopping tom never had to give him the money for it he would just do it like and that's what i want people to understand like yeah. i never asked my dad to do these things yeah. he enjoyed doing things for mm. me i can go on like he used to cut my grass <laughs> 
<laughs> Tom, I ain't, I ain't a lawnmower. Like, who, me? Like, hell no. Like, that wasn't my thing. He used to shovel I my love snow. This. It'd be plenty of times where I would be working from home in the wintertime, and I would look outside of my window, mm-hmm. and all the snow would be cleared off of my That's car. Wild. My walkway would be shoveled. Grass would be cut in the wild. summertime. Like, it's unreal. Like, he did everything for me. I didn't have to lift a finger. Mm. And see, my family knows that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And my mom and brothers listening, they probably like, they spoiled Ross's <laughs> fucking ass. And they, you damn right, they, he did. He did. Yeah. And I think that's why I took it so hard when he yeah. died because um, it was a huge loss. And and uh, my father had cancer. Mm. He had a cancer called multiple myeloma. It's like a blood cancer that oh. destroys your bones. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2022 was the worst year of my life. And, um, you know, he went, he got kind of got sick in January, February 2022. And uh, he doctor took all these tests and they couldn't find nothing. So mm. long and behold, we went to the, um, I took him to a, to get a bone scan or something like mm-hmm. that. And then we went to an oncologist and mm. he was diagnosed with cancer on June, I think seventh or eighth. And he died on June 14th. Jeez. So it was like, we didn't have much time. And what's interesting is that, you know, he was sent home from the hospital at like four o'clock mm-hmm. in the afternoon. And then he died at like 1130. So it was like tragic because I remember, you know, being up there and talking mm-hmm. to him and everything and I'm like, I'll see you tomorrow day. He was like, okay, son, I'll see you mm. later. So I left and went home, and I lived five minutes from my mom. Mm. And I remember I was turning the key in the door, and my mom was calling me, asking mm. me, begging me to come back. And I'm like, what's wrong? She calling the paramedics. And I get upstairs, and I kind of knew that it was over, but I didn't want to accept it. I didn't want to believe mm. it. So I'm, like, pumping his chest, mm-hmm. waiting for the paramedics to come paramedics came my dad basically died in my arms Mm. and that's what i want people to understand because i took it so hard and and i was so depressed tom like Mm. it was unreal like i had never been so depressed in my life i had never been so low in my entire life and i remember the whole summer of 2022 i didn't really want to go outside like my friends literally had to beg me to come Mm. outside that's how bad it was and I post them because I love him so much. Mm-hmm. And not only did I love him so much, Tom, he loved me so yeah. much. Like, you know what I mean? You talk about a man that loved his son unconditionally. Absolutely. That Absolutely. was the a perfect example of my dad. Absolutely. So it's like the holidays were rough. Birthdays are rough. And, and, I'm, and I feel like I'm going to be grieving for the rest of my life. But you mm-hmm. know what? Um, I am grateful for the 34 years that I had with him mm-hmm. because – and, you know, at first, you know, when you're grieving, I went through that bargaining stage with God. Like, mm. why is this happening to me? And then why couldn't somebody else's dad who ain't shit ha- let this happen to them? Like, that's kind of how yeah, I was thinking. And, I, and that's a bad way to go about it. Like, you mm. know what I mean? But I was thinking, like, there's so many men out here who don't give a damn about their kids. Mm. Why couldn't God take one of them? Like, that's mm. how I was thinking. And I had to really get myself together and say, Ross, you can't be that selfish. Like, mm. you know what I mean? And I look at so many people I know who didn't even get 34 years with their parents. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like I had to learn how to not be selfish yeah. and to be grateful for the years and the time that I did have. Yeah. Uh, well, one, I mean, uh, whenever people share, you know, it's extremely vulnerable things, I just want to say thank you. Um, not for sharing it on this podcast, but being as trustworthy, uh, trusting me to share that um, and being vulnerable in this moment. So thank you for that. For sure. Um I think that it's incredible to have those memories of anybody, let alone someone who's brought you into this world, um, to have such a positive impact. It's almost 
you know, some people would consider it like a fairy tale to have that positive of an image of a parent, you know, mm-hmm. so for you to and, have that. Yeah. And, and it doesn't take away from my mom because absolutely. my mom is absolutely phenomenal. And, and I was just about to say for both parents. <laughs> yeah, so both, both. It. but it's yeah. like now that my dad is gone, it's like a piece of me is going to. And, you and, know I, what I mean? and I wanted to speak on the fact that, you know, you were saying that people are hitting you up and saying that you need to go to grief counseling or you need to. And I think. You need to let it go. Yeah, you need to move yeah. on. I think, I'm like, who the I, fuck? I'm yeah. like, you don't know who my dad was to <laughs> me. Exactly. <laughs> and and I think that that's, for lack of a better word, bullshit. I mean, yeah. I think that not because I don't think people don't mean well, but I think what people don't me- realize when they're saying those things is that they, they have an image that they have of you mm-hmm. uh, processing it. Yep. And I think that that's the selfishness, right? Mm-hmm. It's not so much. It's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'll see on online that I think, that's whatever right but i don't have to say nothing right for the people that are coming to you and saying those things they're processing what you're putting out there and filtering it through their own lens not realizing that you have a whole different context for what's going on and why you're doing what you're doing so i think that at least for me whenever i've seen it i just view it as healing in whatever way makes sense you know my mom just actually posted something on facebook ironically enough today that said that you literally can't tell people how to grieve, yep. you know, and she lost her husband due to COVID, you know, and like, I think that when we, when we get into these spaces and we're dealing with loss and then we see people are hurting a lot of times, selfishly, we just want it to go away. Yeah. And, and, and not even just for them, for us, because it's like, well, if you're hurting, then I got to deal with that too. But what I've learned at least is that, and I hope this is helpful is that you just got to ride the wave, Yeah. you know? Like, I feel like in a lot of ways, emotions, you either, you know, try to stuff them down until they make you react the way you don't want to, or you ride them until you understand it. And then you you feel like you decide what to do beyond that. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, so. it's, it's definitely a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I tell anybody, if you've ever lost a parent, especially a parent that you ha- had a true mm-hmm. connection with, mm-hmm. it is the hardest thing on earth now they say losing a child is even worse and i don't have any kids so i've never you know i don't i don't i don't i don't know what that feels like but you know losing a parent is the worst Mm. and it's something i literally had to crawl out of that dark place and it's like out of so many months of of depression i still had to show up for work every day and you know my mom is older so it's like you know i don't have a young mom Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean my mom is in her mid-60s so it's like i have to make sure she's good Mm -hmm. and i think that's what it was when my dad died i didn't have time to go drink a whole bottle of hennessy or or 1738 i couldn't do that like i had to help her plan everything and i had to help write an obituary Mm. and i had to handle business and then two weeks later i had to go back to work and still deal with that and it's like people i didn't really didn't get the chance to just take time off of work and just be by myself i had to consistently show up for everybody else but it is important to show up even when you don't want to and that was the biggest lesson i had kind of learned Mm-hmm. Over time, um, one of my uh, friends that I work with, her name is Dorcel, and she kind of really, really taught me the importance of showing up for your own personal brand. Mm-hmm. You know, so plenty of times, like people would ask me to talk on panels, people would ask mm-hmm. me to go to this event, go to that event. Like, Tom, I ain't feel like doing <laughs> shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I ain't feel I like doing I feel nothing. You. I feel and, that. And, and, and I, after a while, I, I realized that. 
I'm still young myself. I got yeah. a whole nother 30 years to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Or if I start a business and it becomes <laughs> yeah. lucrative, God, you know what I mean? There I don't know. But, um, but I'm just saying, like, I got a long time before I can retire. So it's like I got to continue to work on my personal brand. That's exactly what my dad would want me to do. Mm. So I start showing up more. You know what I mean? I start mm-hmm. sitting like anything that I was invited to. I'm going to try to get up and go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The best way I can. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you you kind of relied on a lot of that discipline that maybe got you through those tough times as a scholar. Yeah. You know, and yeah, my mom, she was the disciplinarian. <laughs> okay. and, and see, there's another reason why I miss my dad so much, <laughs> because my dad was the parents home to let us do whatever the hell we wanted to do. Mm. Like he wasn't yeah. a disciplinarian. He never whooped us, yeah. never laid a hand on us. None of that. And my mom was the one that was strict. And discipline yeah. and, da, 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 and and you don't like I didn't send you to college to get C's and you know what I mean and I'm like girl like damn like she didn't even let me have a TV when I was in college like that's Ooh. how strict she was like Absolutely. you know what I mean and and I grew up you know with that fear yeah. with my brother he didn't give a damn like he's the <laughs> rebel like I don't give he be yeah. like shit going one ear and not the other and I aspire that's one thing yeah. about my older brother that I aspire it's his level of not giving a fuck that's so fascinating <laughs> yeah. it almost sounds like in some ways like you you like you love these qualities about your dad but you've adopted a lot of the qualities that your mom possesses yep. and your brother maybe adopted some of the Correct. qualities your dad that's so that's fascinating it. that's it that's wild well, speaking and in, in, in maybe thinking about, you know, talking about your dad a little bit more like you said he spoiled you. Why do you think that was? I think, you know, when I again, when I hear the stories of how yeah. he was raised, mm-hmm. I think that when he married my mom and had me and my brother, he was determined to not have us be raised the same way he was raised. Mm. I think that was a huge component in it. Okay. And uh, so it's almost like when I look at my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family, totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there were times where we weren't always allowed to, you know, be with my dad's side of the family all the time. And not because of my mom or anything. That's what he, you know, he's like, no, like I don't want my kids involved in that. Like I don't (laughs) want my kids in the streets or I don't want my kids around alcohol or whatever have you. Like, that's just how he was. And like, even when I was a, a child, like, Tom, he never, we never went to daycare or none of that summer camp, none of that. And I don't know what it is because mm-hmm. my dad never really expressed a lot of that. I remember, remember when I was talking about the grocery store yeah. thing? Um, I think he grew up a lot of nights where they didn't have food. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's like, he's so determined to make sure his family's going to eat, but it's low key embarrassing yeah. sometimes because, yeah. you know, my dad was the person that, you know, that person that go yeah. to the parties and go to the cookouts that's yeah. packing up all the plates. That was my dad. <laughs> um, like, you know what I mean? He was yeah. the one that was packing up all the plates because he, he was so, so set on making sure his family had something to eat. Sweet. You go to my mom's house, there's, two refrigerators deep freezers <laughs> full of food we ain't never gonna go hungry and that's i think that's what it was in his mind like i'm gonna that's make sure my kids always have something to eat because mm. he spent so many nights with no food that's and wild. then you know on top of that i don't know what his whole fixation was about babysitters and all of that there was one girl that could babysit us mm-hmm. um, and other than that there was only two or three other people that he trusted around me and my brother mm-hmm. and if we you know as kids you want to have yeah. sleepovers and stuff like that we were never allowed to go to sleepovers <laughs> they, they our friends had to come to our house like that's just how that's <laughs> just how he was like you know what i mean yeah. even i remember my first day of kindergarten and people don't remember the first day of kindergarten but i actually mm-hmm. do because that's my real. dad was the man 
who not only walked me to the classroom, Tom, but he was standing outside of the window <laughs> the whole day. I actually remember that shit. That's so crazy. Like, he didn't leave. That's so interesting. Like, because it was like when I was in preschool, it was a half a day. Yeah. Kindergarten was a full day. So my yeah. dad literally dropped me. I, shit, I was excited. I'm going to school. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I remember this so vividly. A lot of people don't remember the first day of kindergarten, but I actually remember this shit. And I remember him walking me in the classroom. And I'm waving bye, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like, bye, Dad. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And he's literally standing outside of the window the whole day. He that never left wild. the school. That is That's wild. crazy to me. Like, yeah. don't make dads like that no more. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And my dad yeah. also worked the night shift, Tom. It's mm-hmm. important to say this because he always wanted a parent home yeah. if, if we got sick at school. So that's it's like real. when my mom's coming home from work, he was going to work. Like, that's, that's just how they that's just how they were. That's so wild, man. Like, I mean, not wild, but so, like, honorable. So And it's so, different. I get it. I, I, yeah. Listen, because I know a lot of men that don't do that. Yeah. Like, you know? I, and, but what I think, beyond the behaviors, right? Because I think it's easy to look at people's behaviors and judge, like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that I think more importantly it's the intent and like Mm -hmm. what somebody is trying to convey to somebody and I think what it sounds like he was going to convey to you is that you're protected yeah you know it it sounds like in all aspects maybe overreach a little bit one could say but you know like if you ain't allowed to have sleep I don't know right but like (laughs) it's not for me to say I I, I wasn't raising kids during that time so who you know but I think that that quality is in and there were a lot of parents maybe that wanted to be protective of their kids during that time. But his his willingness, his determination to do so seemed incredible. And I don't know if it was because I was the baby, because I could sense. Yes, he was protective over my brother as well, but not like me. Yeah. And it's like it's crazy how. My mother, too. Yeah. And my brother, as well. Something about... And my friends, as well. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, Tom, like, <laughs> um, so many of my friends, like, if I say I don't like somebody, they be like, well, I don't like them either. Like, you know oh, what I mean? Shit. Like, my friends was <laughs> riding with me. Like, you know oh, what I mean? Shit. Like, for some reason, yeah. like, I don't know if I embody that, yeah. but so many of my friends feel the need to protect me. But mm-hmm. not like my dad. He was my protector. He, yeah. he set the bar on how I should be treated, for yeah. sure. I respect it. I wonder, like, what do you what do you think outside of the, the things like you said, alcohol or, you know, like bad environments, the streets, whatever. What do you think he was trying to protect you from? I would say that. OK, just those yeah, things. The streets. OK, I would the, say the streets. Because, yeah. you know, I don't I don't want to go into much detail about my dad's side of the family. No. But um, let's just say that side of the family, you know, a lot of you know, drugs, alcohol, you know what I mean? But on my mom's side too. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, hey, it, I, I feel like it's in every black family. I was just like, about you know to I mean? say that. Like, you every ain't, black you, family you amongst, got, got some. You're amongst company here. So. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? We, <laughs> yeah. we got them on our sides. Yeah. But I, I think my dad himself mm-hmm. sometimes did not trust people in his own family, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, you know, a lot of times people would assume it's the spouse taking yeah. you away from your family. No, because nah. sometimes my mom be like, oh, Bobby, let him go over there. Let him go over there. And my dad would be like, not my kids. Like, <laughs> like, no, you ain't allowed to go over there. Like, you know what I mean? Like he only yeah. trusted certain people around us. Yeah. Like so growing up, a lot of times I would only see that side of the family on holidays and stuff like that. Or mm. they would spend the night at our house. Mm. Like that's that's just how oh, it's okay. always been. All right. Well, I don't want to get because we've been talking for a while and I don't want to cool. take too much of your time. So I'll get to my next question, which is actually really my second. But it's all right. That works for me. Uh, what brings you joy? Hmm. 
What brings me joy? Um, I, I really hate to keep bringing up my family and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but my my parents bring me joy. Mm. I would say that my parents bring me joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's it. That's real. That's like, real. all right, now if you had to be something that was self sustaining, like only only that you you had the to only, generate. Yeah, only, the only me. Yep. Um, I feel like my strength, because when I think about strengths in general, mm-hmm. I feel like I am adaptable. So okay. my ability to be extremely adaptable, um, responsible. I'm a very mm-hmm. responsible human being. Okay. Um, those are things that bring me joy. Um, I feel like as a 35-year-old uh, black yeah. man, you know what I mean? I love the fact about myself that I can adapt in any environment. So I got okay. friends from all types of backgrounds. Okay. Um, I feel like I can mix and mingle with any type of circle, from the richest person in the room to the poorest person there you in go. the room to the felons to anybody, <laughs> like the drug dealer, all of that. Like okay. I feel like I can sit in any room Absolutely. and get along with anybody. I mean, you go in the galaxy after this. So. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's Friday night. Of course. Shout out to the galaxy. Uh, Shout of course, out to the galaxy. Of course. You know what I mean? And um, and I think that's that that's what I love about me. I love mm-hmm. the fact and that brings me joy. Yeah. Um, the fact that I can be adaptable and be welcoming in any type of environment. Like I've never really, and I'm sure that I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like me and it is what it is. Like that's <laughs> the, that's the part of me. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I feel like I, I, it is easy for me to get along with people yeah. in any type of environment. And that brings me joy. I really, I really love that about me. I, I think that it's interesting because I think to, to your earlier point, and, and I really hope people don't read this the wrong way because I hate when people judge certain things too swiftly. But like when you said that you like attention, right? I think that a little bit, a little, or a little bit. I'll <laughs> put a disclaimer career, on it. Oh, in my you, career, because you know, Tom, yeah. I'm a Capricorn. I love money. I understand. Don't nobody love money more than I me. Re- so it's like, I respect yeah, it. I like the little But, but I want to take some of the, the 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 stigma off of liking attention, right? Because I think that saying that, like, that's like one would believe Beyonce likes attention. Oh, for sure. Right? Like one, She's like a it's, it's okay. It's okay to like these things. But as long as you're willing to do the work, right, to put in the sweat equity to, to deserve it, right? Right. And it's not as if you're, like, someone who's just sitting on your hand saying, I deserve something. You're not entitled to it. Right. It's like you, you – it sounds like you're willing to go out and do the work that's deserved in order to get it back. And and, and that's yeah. the thing. So, to add to that, I don't want nothing handed to me. Like, okay. that's the thing. I don't want nothing handed to me. Mm-hmm. If I get an award for anything, if I mm-hmm. get – accolades for anything or mm-hmm. anybody gives me praises or my props i want to make sure that i've earned it mm-hmm. that i put in the work and that i deserve it because yeah. otherwise i don't even want it yeah i think that like that's what's so interesting about like the the one thing because outside of all the wonderful things that your father sound like he's done for you it's it, that was maybe one of the few sources that you got that attention without having to do anything for it bingo bingo that's it <laughs> That's it. That's it. And which is why I took it so hard when he yeah. died, because it's like 
damn, who's going to love me unconditionally now? Yeah, I just yeah. my mom and my brother. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Who's going to pay attention to me now? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? My dad caught me every day, Tom. Like, yeah, he paid real. attention to me. Like, that's you know real. what I mean? And 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 I realized that about myself, you mm. know. But also, I, I like my space as yeah. well. But I, <laughs> I also that. like attention. It's so yeah. weird. I'm I, a weird person, I know. I, I, it's not weird <laughs> at all. I remember one of my favorite comedians was talking about, like, being with somebody. He was like, for men, we want you like around, but not like he was like, we want, I want you there, but not next to me. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, he was like, if I could be like playing a video game and you're like up in the vent, yeah. I would be. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need to be all up under you, like, to, yeah, like you know it's what I mean? Cool. Like, I'm cool. Like, I'm cool. I can respect that. I, they, they would they would joke about it and say that's te- technically called, like, co-play amongst toddlers. Like, you, I'm playing over here, you playing over here. Yeah. And we cool. We happy knowing that we in the same environment, you right. know? So I can respect that a lot. But, like, or not even but, in conjunction with that, it also sounds like, you know, you getting this attention in some ways validates for you that you're doing good work as well, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's like the thing that a lot of people who have strived for excellence over the course of the year, especially, you know, working at a place like CMU, I've seen people who have highly, like highly achieved. Right. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because there's almost, and you probably experienced this as a kid when you get higher on roll so much that it's like, all right, you're just going to get it again. It's, it's expected. <laughs> yeah, it's like, expected, you know what like I mean? Whatever, it's expected, right? but it's also a lot of pressure though. Exactly. Too. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. To the point where it's like, I'm that go-to person between my mom and my brother. They depend on me a lot, Tom. Yeah. It's like, they can't do nothing without me. Yeah. And I even told that to them. I said, <laughs> I hope you what did. would you happen? On this podcast. No, they, they know. They know. I, I told this to my mom and my brother. I'm like, what would y'all do if, if the Lord took me tomorrow? What would Don't you do? That. Like, Don't you know what that. I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like, they will selfishly admit. They'll be like, Ross, I don't know what I would do without you. Like, yeah. I remember when I was writing my dad's obituary, my brother mm-hmm. turned to me. was like, Ross, like, I appreciate what you're doing because I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like somebody got to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and I feel like I've taken on that role. Mm-hmm. I'm raising my mom now. You know how we raise our parents <laughs> raise and our they parents, don't listen. Get, yep. No, they're older than <laughs> um, us. They don't listen. And, yeah. and my brother, he's the type that don't want to be bothered. Some days he want to be bothered. Some days yeah. he don't. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? That's just his personality. We love yeah. him. You know. <laughs> um, but uh, somebody got to take charge. And yeah. I feel like. I don't want to be labeled as controlling, mm-hmm. but someone has to take charge. We just yeah. can't let shit fly and just be well, all over the place. I'm a very structured person. I'm not a perfectionist, mm-hmm. but I'm a very structured and organized person. But I also love adventure and spontaneity. Yeah. So I'm weird. Uh, no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's weird. I mean, I think by design, humans are paradoxical. Like I yeah. think my my biggest thing that I always go to is like the yin and the yang. And I think people talk about the light and the dark. And I always imagine like the perfect balance is being a line in between. Right. Because it's like mastering all of that. Right. And that's why I never want to guilt or uh, what is it? um, Shame anybody's like true authentic motivation, because if you do that, you don't ever really get to meet the real person. Right. I used to tell students like, look, if you are here, if you're doing whatever this job is for money, that's cool. Say that yeah, because say then I can talk to you about things or I can shape an experience around money mm-hmm. that is still valuable. That's still and we both get what we want. But if we're, you know, posturing like, oh, I'm in it for this and that's not really why you're doing it. I never get to meet the real you. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, what people can understand maybe better about you is that not so much that you want attention for attention's sake is that 
attention is almost how you've been able to see that you've been successful in other spaces and that just naturally feels good yeah right so there's nothing wrong with something that's doing that especially if you're somebody like yourself who's willing to do the work yeah you know i'm willing I mean? to do the work yeah. i don't want nothing handed to me yeah i don't want nothing for free yeah i want people to look at me and say ross deserves that absolutely you know what i mean i want people to look at me and say you know what ross did this mm-hmm. so let's give him his flowers and, like you know what i mean like i love that like you know and, what i mean and, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I want to cut no, you off. No, 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 that's cool. No, I, was, I just thought about uh, what what it be like. Beyonce literally came with a track and said, "Bow down, bitches." Like, yep. And but she couldn't have said that if she didn't do the work to be that able part. to say that. That part. That so like you know I mean when Hove says like I'm I'm him. Yep. You know what I'm saying like Hove did like you can't say that and have it resonate the way that it does if you didn't do the things that Hove did. Mm-hmm. So it's so like that's the thing that people don't appreciate or understand when they say oh they just want attention no i'm doing the work so doing the work. you know don't act like i don't deserve the attention that part exactly <laughs> don't don't you dare in your life act like i don't deserve it i didn't did this i didn't did that and i'm not the type of person that's going to lay out everything that i did but it's like come on now don't don't let me I get a list I, I feel you. Uh, an excel spreadsheet let me tell you what the fuck i did like and god damn it i deserve it you damn motherfucking right yes i love it i love it i love it so my next question would be, um, and you can answer this whoever, however you see fit. You can it can be um, here. Uh, you know, people have passed away. It could be fictional, whatever. Who are the people that came before you, and what did they teach you? Hmm. I feel like um, my grandparents before me. I feel like they taught me how to love. Mm-hmm. Not to say that my parents didn't, but yeah. I feel like it was a true foundation from my grandparents mm-hmm. on the importance of loving family and mm-hmm. loving each other and taking care of each other. And, you know, I learned from my grandparents a long time ago how brothers and sisters are all we got. Mm. So we got to take care of each other. And, you know, growing up, I couldn't stand my brother, Tom. <laughs> used to get on my nerves because we're so different. Like, you know what I mean? We're so different. Yeah. But now that we're older, we can't live without each other. Like, mm. we talk on the phone every day. We FaceTime every day. <laughs> be like, bro, what, what you doing tonight? What you, da, 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 da. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's interesting because I love my brother unconditionally. And yeah. I know that he loves me unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned from my uh, grandparents head on. I mm-hmm. feel like I learned a responsibility from my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I learned how to protect the folks that I love from my dad. Mm. Um, I feel like uh, the folks before me. Um, and you know what's interesting, Tom, is that I never really had any formal mentors growing mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Like, I consider family mentors, but I've mm-hmm. never had someone who was a non-family member that mm-hmm. I considered to be a mentor. Like, mm-hmm. I've mentored other people, yeah. but I've never had someone in my life that I can say call as a mentor. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's people in my family, friends that I trust with my personal business and all of that, mm-hmm. but um, I can't say that there's anybody else that kind of taught me anything other than how to love and how to be mm-hmm. a leader and how to be a protector. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the point where if, if I ever get, get married or have children, mm-hmm. I know that I would be okay because I yeah. learned all of that from my family. My The funny thing about that is that, like, it, it also sounds like those things are directly aligned with what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, for you to talk about family, your affinity for, you know, like pushing for black excellence mm-hmm. like that to me is this idea that you see family and community amongst these for black sure. people for sure you know what I, mean? I want that i want any black person or 
people of color. So yeah. I want to include my friends of the Asian community or friends um, of the Latino community. And nothing against, you know, uh-huh. my white friends. You know, yeah. nothing against them. I have a lot of white friends that I love and appreciate. Absolutely. You know, nothing about, nothing against that. But, you know, I know the struggles that black people face. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes when you look at all the people of color on this earth, I feel like black people, we get it the worst. Mm-hmm. And uh, people can agree or disagree with me. I really yeah. don't care. But yeah. I feel as though we get it the worst. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I see a black person that's putting in the work mm-hmm. and that's really trying their best, I want to help them. It's like mm-hmm. that innate sense inside of my soul to yeah. like I want to help it. Especially if I love and care about you, I want to see you win. Yeah. I want to see you become successful. You can make a billion dollars more than me and I wouldn't give a fuck. Yeah. I want you to be successful and happy. Like that's yeah. just how I've always been. Mm-hmm. Like that. that's the, the funny thing about that too is that like it also requires that you give the people that aren't getting attention attention. Yep. It's like you're doing what for them what you would ultimate the thing that you ultimately appreciate in yourself. Mm-hmm. And like for you to so naturally, I mean, it's it, I'm, you say you didn't have mentors, but I think that it's almost like you kind of vicariously took the skills you needed and used your scholarly ability to apply them and, and they're still carrying you forward today. Like can, you said, your mom's that. discipline, you know, your father's your his protective qualities, but also mm-hmm that that ability to want to have people be seen and appreciated mm-hmm. and taken care of and and all of those other qualities too because you said you didn't want to be controlling right i don't want to be controlling yeah. um at all but um another adjective would be confidence i feel mm-hmm. like i learned that from my brother mm-hmm. um so what did i say love from the grandparents yeah. uh, discipline and responsibility from my mom protection from my dad confidence from mm. my brother for sure yeah and and maybe that's where the the, the cachet of like the, the charisma the the hove quality the yes, boss you get the it the boss you get yeah it. I get, you I, get, get it. It. <laughs> I get what all you of say. that I get and, what you and, say and even though I'm not where I want to be in terms of my career just yet yeah. but I'm still progressing and I'm still learning because I feel like you know one question that I get a lot is what is your purpose mm-hmm. and Tom. I'm really still figuring that out. Yeah. I'm, I, and the reason is because I lost my way mm-hmm. when my dad's at, mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to get back to the Ross that everybody knows and loves. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out what my purpose on earth is supposed to be. Yeah. Now I feel like before when he was living, my mm-hmm. purpose was to, I wanted to start a whole professional development company, yeah. resume writing, interview skills. I wanted the, my target market to be high school students. Mm-hmm. I wanted, because everybody doesn't, everybody's not meant for college. So Absolutely. that doesn't mean that they don't deserve those same resources. Sources. It's like a catch-all. Right, exactly. Yeah. That was my purpose before. Mm-hmm. Now that he's went on home to glory now, it's like I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I'm still mm-hmm. figuring that out. But I also learned from this woman named Nick Webb. She also mm-hmm. taught me how to embrace the pause yeah. and how it's okay to not always have it figured out. Absolutely. You don't always have to be the leader in the room. You don't always have to <laughs> n- be the know-it-all. Yeah. And, but I'm so used to that, Tom. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm used to having to be the leader. I'm used yeah. to having to be the know-it-all. And and she kind of taught me how it's okay yeah. to embrace the pause. And you would be surprised how so many other people would love to hear that because it's like I'm, I'm still in that pause right now. Yeah. Like my job at the bank right now, it's 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 going yeah. well, but it's like I'm not like looking for the next job. Like yeah. I'm I'm not there yet. Like okay. I'm still just chilling. Now, I don't want to say chilling because we we do a lot of work. But I don't <laughs> want to say chilling, but it's like I'm enjoying what I'm doing now, and I have no desire to move forward at this point in time. Like I can know. respect that a lot, and I think I'm happy that um, 
you learned that from someone. You said her name was Nikki Webb. Nick Webb. Nick yep. Webb. Nicole yep. Webster. Nicole Shout out Webster. To, to Nick yeah. Webb. I'm sorry. Everybody in Pittsburgh sure knows she is. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> I think that's important too because, you know, I don't, many people don't recognize this because it's not a full network yet. But if you look at the podcast, it says Anchor and Compass underneath. And that's because, like, that's what I view purpose as. And hopefully it'll be a network one day. T- not hopefully it that's will be said. a network one day. Yes, it will. But be. it's like, I view purpose once you figure out what it is as an anchor when times are tough. Like, so if you're a ship out at sea, when things get rough, you drop anchor and chill out until you can like maneuver. And then a compass when you're ready to hit because it gives you direction. Right. Yeah. And like that quality has always comforted me because in moments where you need the pause, when, when there's too much happening and maybe overwhelming change, like losing a loved one or whatever, mm-hmm. you need to have that thing that you can rely on. That's why I think it was, well, not why I think, but it was so important for me to say to you, like, what is it that you like and find joy in? Because when you don't have those other things around to pull from, you still need to sustain. Yeah. Right. So like, if you don't know what that is, you don't know where to search. And for yeah. me, I know when I say stories are my purpose and connections are my purpose, if I'm going through a rough patch, I can just put something that's familiar on and just pay attention to the story, yeah. you know, and that starts to bring me joy again. It helps rev me back up. And like for everybody, I think that's the value of it. It's not so much that it, it makes life easier, but it, it gives you a, a toolkit to navigate life with. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate one because it's you, yeah. you know, it, it, it comes from understanding you and. I, I know I to- talked to you a little bit before the podcast about how I discover purpose, so I won't walk you through that That's now. Cool. But cool. I think that, it, you know, once you figure it out, I, I will offer this. And, and I think I said it earlier, but I wouldn't even think it's a, a, a particular company. It may manifest as that. Mm-hmm. But I think whatever culture and whatever goals that company is built on is going to be what your purpose is, right? right? You know, so if you, if it serves as a, you know, resume writing course or, or a company and those type of things, that's in my opinion, a manifestation of your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I think what your purpose is, is something that's you, that has always brought you joy from as young as you can remember. And it's something that you feel like you're really good at. And yeah. it's those two things fused together. And low key, you know, there's, there's my mind be all over the place. Like yep. there be, I also thought about, you know, what's interesting is that my college degree is in psychology. Mm. I don't know why. Shout out to that. Me too. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't continue on with that career path. Yeah. Like, and I think the reason why I was hesitant with it was because I'm like, damn, how can I help somebody else with their problems <laughs> when all the shit that I got going on? Like, like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? I feel you. Like, I got a lot going on and, you know what I mean? And it's like, how can I be there for somebody else? And I think that that's why I kind of strayed away from that and I went in into banking yeah. and uh yeah it's a lucrative career but it's like now as i'm continue to redefine my purpose i'm starting to wonder should i be doing life coaching should i be doing therapy i don't know like it's, you know what i mean yeah it's gonna take me some time to figure it out and you know shout out to my job because you know I don't think I will ever leave my company unless I start my own mm-hmm. and it surpasses the salary that there I'm making. Like, honestly, <laughs> that's the only real. way I will leave it because real. it's like, I'm never going to be that person that's going to quit and mm-hmm. go after something else. Yeah. And I know a lot of people do that. That's and fine. I think because as a Capricorn, I'm all about financial stability I and I cannot do that. I, <laughs> I will never, I don't care how terrible a job is. I'm never walking away until I find a better one. I understand. Never. And I'm never going to start a business until that income. Surpa- I'm not going to do it alone yeah. and solely until it surpasses the money that I'm making now. I, I, I will say something quickly and I will leave it alone. It's one of the oldest things in the book. 
to get something you never had, you have to do something you've never done. There we go. So, you know, while I am very, I'm a Capricorn too, so I understand all of those things you're saying, (laughs) I, I do think that it begs the question, what's on the other side of those doors if you were to do it, right? Yeah. Not even saying you have to, but like, what would it mean? You know the bad stuff it means. Because it's, it's risk. And you yeah. know what I mean? Even though I'm an HR employee, I support the risk management organization. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. I think like them. I think I, like I an auditor. It. I think like a risk analyst. I, like, And it's like, uh, if I do this, what if this happens? You yeah. got to get ready. Like, I, I'm always have a plan B, C, D, E, F, yeah. and G off this bitch. I'm well, always have a plan. I, I completely, <laughs> I, I, res- I, I support all of those things. But I think the thing that we leave out when we assess risk is that we're doing it for a reason because yeah. we see opportunity. For sure. You know, so I think we can't, we can't get the risk. We can't let the risk become so broad that that's all we're doing is looking at risk, that we miss the opportunities there, in my opinion. So yeah. that, that's all I would say because I don't know what the correct path, and I'm not going to pretend I do. But I, I do feel like a, a leap in some respects, whatever form it takes, is always required to enter new territory. You know, like in mm-hmm. and, and, and whatever I'm sure you'll make you're a responsible per you'll you'll make sense of it the way you do, but Yeah, for I, sure. I, I think that that's, that's so fascinating because even for you to say like you were interested in psychology but it wasn't really wasn't your thing, I see banking and I, I could be a novice in this, but it's a lot more pragmatic, right? Yeah. Like the input it's even being a scholar. You were able to say, if I study these concepts, if I do this work, I'll get this result. Mm-hmm. If I don't get this result, I know that I didn't do this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times helping people is a, a, it's a you know, it's like shooting dice. Right. <laughs> That's like, it. You get it. You get it. <laughs> it's a risk. It's like, uh, I don't know. But banking and financial services, that's yeah. more pragmatic, like yeah. you said. And yeah. it's like, not. Nah. I remember when I was studying psychology, I'm like, damn, I could be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. I could be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I could be in a business. You know yeah. what I mean? I remember I took the LSAT, completely bombed it. Law yeah. school was not for me. I and then I remember doing exceptionally well on the GMAT exam mm-hmm. to go to business school. Yeah. So it's like, all right, nah, I know this is what I'm supposed to yeah. do. Because talking to people about their problems, I just, <laughs> no, I can't, I don't know. And I think that's what it is. There's no clear linear path to that. Yeah. It's like shooting dice. Like yeah. you said, I love that analogy. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and, oh, and that's a risk because I'm not a casino person. It's yes. like, if I call it, I don't like to lose money. I, I don't like to lose money either. I'm very <laughs> much with you on that. When I go to the casino, it's very much to look. You know, once I lose my little twenty five dollars, I yeah, bet I'm good. I don't I'm, need to. I'm same, good. That was fun. Yeah, yeah like, it, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, like, nah. exactly. The people keep trying to get me on these betting naps to keep going and do it. And mm-hmm. I see people win big, but it's just it just it's I, a rest. I can't do it. But I, I will say that when with uh, helping people, the reason I do it, and I'll just be talk about my selfish reason, is because. I get to learn from difference. Yeah. So if, if nothing else happens, right? Like if nobody, if people are like, I didn't learn anything from that. You sharing your experience is exposing me to difference because it's a life I've never lived. Mm-hmm. And if I listen to that sincerely, there's always something new to learn and I get to learn something. And that's, what's exciting to me. It's like reading a book and figuring something out about yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like having these conversations. So I think if you were to go into, you know, your own business and you had to manage people mm-hmm. or whatever that is, I think figuring out a way to make it valuable to you and not so much trying to figure out a mastery of a skill is probably the better way to go about yeah, it. Cause I think the reason now I've managed businesses, I've managed yeah. processes at the bank and all of that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of having direct employees and all of yeah. that, the thing while I was always so hesitant is that I don't want to, 
tainting image that mm-hmm. people already have of me. I have a great reputation. Absolutely. And everybody come to me, oh, I think you would be great <laughs> as a manager. And, oh, I yeah. think you would be this. Oh, I would love to work for you if you was a manager and all of that. <laughs> and it's like, well, if that happens, what if I become an asshole? Huh? <laughs> like, that's what I worry yeah, about. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want my reputation to be tainted. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want to be a bitch. Like, you know what I mean? I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be none of that. Like, but then also, I don't want to be that manager that's like a micromanager because I can't yeah. stand that shit. <laughs> like, that don't work for I can me. Tell from your if face you, you just if you, <laughs> if you micromanage me, it's really not going to work out because right. it's like, leave me the fuck alone. Let me do my job. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, real shit. Like, let me do me. Like, you know. But right. um, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that controlling person. But it's like, if this is my team, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to be too much in the weeds. And I need to learn how to, like, step back and stress. Like, I feel like if I was a manager, I would want to start a team brand new. I don't want to okay. come into a team. Okay. I want to hire all of my people <laughs> okay. from the beginning so that <laughs> so that I birth. can grow that trust. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. I want to hire them all from the beginning and say that I trust you all and learn how to allow them okay. to do this. Like, I, it's it's a thing with me and, and I realized about, about it's myself. It's not a bad thing. Right. It's, yeah, not, a it's bad not a bad thing, thing. But I think that as I continue to grow and become more mature in my career, yeah. I could get to that point. Yeah. I'm just not there yet. I, I think what's fascinating about even all the things that you just said, and it'll be interesting if you, when you listen back to this, the only thing you did was talk about all the things you don't want to be as a supervisor. <laughs> like, I don't want to be that person. But, like, but, but what I'm saying and saying that is that that's all fine and good. But have you ever stopped to think about what all the things you could be as a supervisor to someone? Yeah. You could be an inspirational force to somebody, a mentor, a role model, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, a, you know, somebody that people can look at and say, like, I want to be like that person. And that's what I want. You know, but but that's like, but you didn't say any of that. You just said all the ways it could go bad. Because it's that risk <laughs> mentality. Like... <laughs> It's that risk and audit mentality. And like, you know, I've been supporting these businesses for so many years that I've learned to think like them. And and I've studied them so well that I've adapted that skill set. And it's like, bro, like, I don't want to be that bad person. (laughs) But I do want people to look up to me. I do want people to come to me for advice and Uh and to, like, really trust me. You know what I mean? I want to be that empathetic leader. Like, Mm. because I believe in order to be a successful leader, you have to be empathetic to your employees. You have to understand what they go through. And yeah. I feel like that I need they, they need more people like that mm. in management. I, I would agree. You know? So why you should do it. But I know, I'm gonna, and I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do, do it. This is not a podcast meant to push people. Bree, <laughs> my, my homie that I did one earlier with would probably disagree because I just kept trying to get her to do something. So she's like, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, all right. And this is a good pivot, you know, based on all of that. What's something you think you're good at? If you had to think of something, I know we talked about a lot of different things, but. If you had to think of, you know, a couple of things, one thing, whatever you choose, what's something you think you're good at? I think I'm good at um, negotiating. Okay. I feel like I'm really good. I'm like that voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really good at um, learning how to be strategic. Mm-hmm. In situations where people can be extremely emotional. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I learned how to turn the emotions off mm, and to be serious. There's a time to be serious and there's a time to play. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think that's it. So, like, that ability- I can think of right now. No, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> and it, it sounds like you, you kind of, it, it's that ability to kind of uh, 
to, to, to strategize to your yeah. point, right? Like to overall either be strategic when you're negotiating between two parties or yourself and another party yeah. or to, you know, in moments of change or chaos or whatever. Change. Happening, I you know, like that. I'm yeah. a huge change agent. Yeah. I'm, I'm an advocate of change. Mm-hmm. If it's going to make things better, let's mm-hmm. do it. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Yeah. And, and I want people to get comfortable with change because the world mm-hmm. is constantly changing. Like Absolutely. we can't, you know what I mean? We can't always be stuck in our ways yeah. and not something that we get as bad as Capricorns. We don't like change. We don't like, you know what I mean? We get stuck in what we're doing, but it's like eventually, you know what I mean? I mean, but God left us in charge for a reason, (laughs) right? Like, you know what I mean? We we Uh, are alpha and omega. Like, you know what I mean? Alpha and omega. Exactly. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no, no. I was just going to say, like, I I feel like that negotiating piece, being adaptable, being responsible, that voice of reason, Mm -hmm. that's all of that. Yeah, I think what's what's fascinating about that is that you you definitely I can see how you would have those qualities. And we talked about a lot of reasons why, but you haven't it doesn't sound like you've been willing to apply those to yourself. I know. <laughs> and that's why I said I, I got yeah, yeah, some yeah. soul searching to do. No, no, yeah, I and I don't say that in a bad do. way, but I just think that it that's something that we can all get kind of caught up because it's easier to look and interact with the world from an orange reach. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why this I, I did this podcast is because. I don't know if these are the right questions anybody should be asking themselves, but I think the role modeling of thinking about these questions to yourself, even if you don't answer anybody else is important. You know, I I remember I told my boy Corey, you know, anytime I see something and I think to myself, that's weird. I just stop for a second and ask myself, why do I think that's weird? Where did Mm. that come from? And I challenge my own perspective because I think it keeps me nimble and open minded um, and and alert to 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 things that I might need to know about myself. And he flat out told me, like, that sounds exhausting. (laughs) And I was like, like, all right, bro. But and and I don't think that's everybody like should do that. But I think some version of that, whether it's journaling, whatever, Mm -hmm. because eventually for someone that's scholarly like yourself, you're going to want to solve that problem, too. Yeah. You know, but it's so hard for me. I think why it's so hard to see those qualities in myself Mm -hmm. is because and I learned this from my best friend, Shayla, Mm -hmm. and humble beginnings lead yeah. to sturdy foundations yeah so i don't want to be that person that's boasting oh i'm this and i'm yeah. that and you got people over there on a the satellite <laughs> oh he think he's smart he think he better than everybody like yeah. i ain't trying to deal with all of that yeah. it's like no i don't yeah. want people to to have that image of me because i don't mm-hmm. think that i'm better than everybody else yeah. but there is a level of confidence because i've done the work mm-hmm. so you damn right i there are some yes. things about myself that i do think very highly of yes i i think that it's so interesting that you connect with these these icons and Jay-Z and Beyonce because no two people probably deserve less to have things said about them on a yep. day in and day out basis based mm-hmm. on what we've seen in terms of their work ethic right not mm-hmm. even regardless of how you feel about what they've done the work ethic yeah. itself right to and go from where they that. came to where they are now that that is probably something that like is the one thing holding you back because and I don't want to be too forward in saying this, but like they're always going to say that like mm-hmm. you're, you're never going to be so polished of a product to avoid that scrutiny yep. because what they're saying, in my opinion, doesn't come from anything that you're producing. It's what you are reflecting their insecurities back to them. Mm-hmm. And if they can't reconcile that and feel good about it, then they have to reconcile it in a different way. So I, I think the only challenge with all of that is that 
if you allow that someone else's insecurities and what might come up and all of that to hold you back, then that's always going to be present. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. the only offering I would give you in that respect, you know, no, but you're right though. Yeah. Like you're right though. And see, I, I see. And that's, I'm learning <laughs> something, you know, from you because yeah. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. And that, cause it, it really like, that's always going to be, it's always going to be a challenge. I remember one of my homies was talking like about, she, she was in a relationship or not in a relationship. She was talking to somebody and she ended the sentence by saying, I just wish people wouldn't be so stupid. And I busted out <laughs> laughing. And I was, she was like, why are you laughing at me? I'm like, I'm not laughing at you. But that's like, are always going to be stupid. stupid. Like, they that's are. The, it's, a, it's, a, it's like an infinite variable, right? And so if you know that's the case, if this is always going to happen, then the only thing for you to do is change how you respond to it. Yeah, you know, that's, and, that's good advice though, because like, people will start people in. Yeah, and like we, I get this funny question all the time. I'm like, oh, Ross, I want to work in HR because yeah. I love working with people. And I'm like, <laughs> man, <laughs> yo, working in HR will make you not like, like people, people, my nigga. Like, I hate people. Like, like you know what I mean? I don't want to say that yeah, I hate I people, but it's like saying. people and their attitudes. Like, yeah. I don't do well with attitudes. It'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like, leave me alone with that shit. Like, attitudes. <laughs> and too much emotions and all of that. And I think because of the way that I think and the yeah. way that I do business, I don't yeah. put emotion yeah. into my job. You I can have, have been a therapist. The, I can have the worst. Just, right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I can have the worst day ever in my personal life yeah. and have the best day ever. It work. Yeah. Always. Because I know how to separate the two. And, that, and that's not a skill that many people possess. No, they it's a Capricorn they thing. Can't, they, cannot, they cannot differentiate the two. I, I think that like, that's so interesting. That's so funny. You know how people be like, oh, my God, right. I can't. Oh, God. You're absolutely such such. right. I'm having such you're a bad day. Right. I need to call off work. Tom ain't never called off you're work. Are, you're I'm going to always right. go to work. The, the, hardest, thing, the hardest thing for me to do, like, you're like, I'm never leaving work. Like, I'm mm -mm. never stopping. Never leaving work. I may be mad about some shit. I yeah. may be stressed out about some shit. But I'm going to always show up for work. And I'm always do the damn thing. I always. I I remember the hardest thing for me to do at some point that I remember consciously thinking about was sitting with a student and having something that I thought was so trivial matter so much to somebody. And it, I had to figure out a way to empathize or sympathize with that. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in a, in, a, in a lot of ways, that's what's happening to you. It's like you see the work as like input output. We need to do this so we can do this. Like mm -hmm. I showed up between these hours. I'm doing these three, yep. these things. And that's what we're doing. And for people they're so kind of like egocentric. It's hard for them to differentiate that. Like it, the world is happening to me. Mm -hmm. So everything is a result of what's happening to me. And it's hard to differentiate. Like this is this, this is that. Cause life and, be life. And, 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 the and guess the, what? I still need my bag. I, I just, <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. I think the challenge as a leader and you said it yourself, you got to be empathetic leader, right? Yeah. The challenge with that is that, you have to figure out a way to make that matter to you. Yeah. And that is a lot of people don't either want to do that or <laughs> like, and you'll see some, some supervisors like, man, I ain't got time for that. Like you shouldn't have came to work. Like whatever. Like I get it. You wouldn't do that. But I think that that's the difficulty of beat. It's like teaching. Yeah. You know, if I could just, if anybody could just show up to, to teach every day and just say, Here's what you need to learn. And the students say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, whatever. Yes, sir. No, sir. Whatever. And like they just learn. Then teaching wouldn't be difficult. The challenge is meeting everybody, all of these kids where they are at very different spaces. And that's hard. And that's hard. And you have to. And that's the reason why you have to find a reason you want to do it. That's mm -hmm. and that's what if you don't take anything else away from this, 
if there's something you see as that you want to do and it might not be the most like attractive thing really like you're like i know i need to do it to <laughs> get to this place but i don't want to do it mm. i think it's less about figuring out a way to make yourself do something you don't want to do and more about figuring out a way to make that matter to you yeah you know in whatever way if you're creative enough a solution will come in my opinion like, yeah for sure you know for sure. So. it'll come that's why i said i know yeah. i got some growing to do. <laughs> i'm gonna get there you've done you a lot of I mean? growing i want to i don't i want to put some respect on your name like these things that we're talking about now this isn't like you you're doing this to get through life. This is you achieving greatness. You know what I mean? This is at least what we're discussing. And and that's what I think people don't realize is that the things that require good is good. Like you're probably good now, I mean, maybe mm -hmm. even getting to great. But it's like to get to what you view as great. It sounds right. like those barriers are like the things you got to overcome because it's like my definition of great is mm -hmm. going to be totally different from Absolutely. anybody else's. So it's like, you know, people may look at me and say, wow, Ross, you you've done this. You've done that. Absolutely. Like you, you doing a damn thing. You that dude, like yeah. all of that. But I don't feel that way about myself yet. Like oh, yeah. I'm grateful for where I've become yeah. and what I've done. And yes, like, yeah, yeah I didn't did that shit. I yeah. did that. I can say I did that. There and you it's go. like there's so much more that I could be doing. You're right. And that I'm going to do. But there's also a lot that you've already done. Yep. And like it's, it would be to me, this is the equivalent, you know, of. Ho putting out his 14th album and still acting like it's his first, like, <laughs> like he hasn't done anything. And like, we love that for him. You know, but, <laughs> but, but he, but Ho, but like you got, but that's the thing. Like as you idolize these people, you gotta, you gotta get that. You gotta get that part. You gotta you get do. that, that ability to stand on that stage. And despite what anybody says, say I'm him. Yep. You know, and like, like my brother, <laughs> like, that's how my brother acts. I'm sort of God. My brother has this confidence about him. Like yeah. I'm him. Big but, Timothy. That's how yeah. he talks. But you be like, even if please. you don't believe it, you got to be able to say it because eventually <laughs> you will. It's like that. It's repetition, right? Yeah. Like his practice. I remember as being a people pleaser, the hardest thing for me to do was say no to people. I had to physically sit in. I remember doing this and I'm say the the, no, no. Like I had to say it out. I had to hear myself say it. And it became easier. No, I'm definitely a yes man for yeah. years. <laughs> oh my God. For years, I've yeah. always been a yes man because I tried to avoid conflict mm -hmm. because that is a very ugly side of me because yeah. I will argue somebody down. <laughs> like, it's amazing why yeah. I never became an attorney. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But it's <laughs> like, I'll argue you down, especially if I'm passionate about something. Absolutely. But it's like, sometimes I don't feel like the, the fight i don't have the energy it's like mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like let 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 them be wrong like let okay. them think whatever it's like you're right and i'm <laughs> wrong like you know what <laughs> i mean you got it my nigga you got it i promise you you're right and i'm wrong I'll like let, and just let it be what it is like just let people think whatever they want to think because people won't talk about you regardless and, I, right. and like i just remember you said it i didn't this yeah, time they, <laughs> right that's what I'm, <laughs> they, I, I'm just like like let people think and say whatever the hell they want to say it is what it is all right so what's something you're afraid of <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this may sound so shallow. Go I'm ahead. really afraid of being broke. Like I, I really am. I'm afraid of being broke. I'm afraid of um losing financial stability. Like mm. I'm literally afraid to get to that level because I I've mm -mm. I understand. I've never been broke. Like, and, and thank God. Let me <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Because I don't want to come off as, <laughs> I don't want to come off as, he think he better than everybody. Like, nah, 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 nah it is God. 
Listen, I am nothing and nobody without the Lord above. I want to just put that out there. And I'm nothing without the foundation of my parents because, mm-hmm. like, my mom used to always say, children are going to be with you till death do you part. And she is right because mm-hmm. I'm going to always need my parents for the rest of my <laughs> life. Respect you know that, what yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? And that's yeah. such a true statement because it's like, you know, we always going to need them for something. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. And uh, I am afraid of being broke. I'm afraid of being alone. Mm. I'm really, really afraid of being alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Ever since my dad died, I've been so lonely, Tom. It's mm. it's insane. And and I'm and shout out to my support system. This is mm. nothing against all of my friends and family mm. who have been by my side through it all. Um, but I still feel lonely sometimes. I understand. And um sometimes I wish that I did have kids mm-hmm. um or I wish that I was married because yeah. I feel like having that person by your side, yeah, you know, having that spouse by your side, having children in your face. That brings joy. Mm-hmm. And I look at, you know what I mean? I think, you know, when my dad died, we, we me and my mom, we clashed a lot. And mm-hmm. my brother, like, we clashed so much because we were all grieving. And you know what I mean? It's like, and I kind of got into it with my mom about this, mm-hmm. um, you know, because some days, Tom, I would wake up and I would just need my mom. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I didn't want to be the person that's always there for her. I needed her to be there for me. And that was something that we were clashing about because yes, he was my father, but this was her husband mm-hmm. of over 40 years. Mm-hmm. So he's been with her longer than he's been with me. That's real. So it's like, you know, I had to learn how to be there for her, but also she had to learn how to be there for her kids as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like over time, that was just something that I just had to just grasp on yeah just you know figure out but i don't know yeah i mean i think both of the i don't know tom um no i uh, that's i think both of those i think thank you for being extremely i know that those are very honest answers because it it parallels the things that mean the most to you right Mm -hmm. like that security as well as that attention that's it you know like it's both of those things and i'm I'm definitely afraid that if something happened to my mom and brother and it mm-hmm. was just me, mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do. I, I, I'm deathly afraid to I, live that life. I, I completely. And, and and that's why I said, you know, if I was married and if I did have children, because this is what me and my mom used to argue about, because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I was 34 years old when my dad died. Mm-hmm. And I had explained to my mom, I'm like, mom, you were 50 years old when mm-hmm. your father died. Mm-hmm. You were almost 60 years old yeah. when your mother died. Like, it's, it's not, not the same, same thing. It's not the same. It's not yeah. the same thing. You had way more years than I did. That's true. It's not the same thing. So I didn't, you know what I mean? I said, yeah. Mom, when you lost your parents, you had a husband and you had children that was yeah. by your side every single day. Yep. My dad died, Tom. I don't have that. And I think that's that's what I struggled so much with. Mm-hmm. And it's like after explaining that to her, mm-hmm. and or just anybody that would yeah. ask me, it would be like, damn, you right. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And that doesn't mean I need to rush out and get married. Or I need no. to rush out and, no, no. and have kids. But it's like, you know, sometimes I think that I would have grieved differently if I yeah. had that. I, I think that that's a very fair point, you know, and I think that we all like there's times when I even, you know, being single, I'll even think to myself, like, it's not even that I want to date. It's just that I've missed that those moments when you could just be neck, like just around somebody mm-hmm. and just know somebody was there. Right. right. And I, I was joking with my mom the other day because it's because of her that I have Ace now, my dog. And I was like, I don't know how you knew I was lonely, <laughs> because, yeah. but but 
I didn't realize how lonely I was until I got him because mm-hmm. it brought me so much joy just to have something yeah. when you come in that's happy to see you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I talk to him like he can understand what's going on. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and like, it, I it's, love that. It's, it's so wild. Like, people will probably look down because he's always in, he's where I am. If he, I'm on the couch, he's on the couch. If I'm in a bed, he's in a bed. Like, and maybe people are like, no, nah, I don't do my dog like that. But that's my man, right? Yeah. So it's like, it, you don't realize that with that value of that companionship, you know, we always say hum, or people always say human beings are social creatures. Mm-hmm. But when you really that that's something that really resonates with you, you feel it more. And I can definitely understand your, your the value of that. Recommend maybe looking at and I don't know if you're a pet person, but a dog. Not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I mean, I, if I if I <laughs> and it's so funny because everybody be like, oh, I thought you ain't like dogs. No. I mean. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I'll tolerate it. Yeah, so Do I like not. it? Am I the person that's like, oh, the dog? <laughs> no, no, I'm not that person, I, but I'll tolerate it. Yeah, you know? I feel you. I think it, it definitely, like, uh, I was not always a pet person until I got one, mm-hmm. and it, that t- changes you. Just something, I think, being dependent on you is a yeah. different feeling, which is probably why, like, people with kids say, you don't know what it's like to have kids because mm-hmm. I, I don't have kids, so... And I would never say having a dog is like having a kid, but like I can imagine seeing something walk around, navigate life mm-hmm. that's depending on you. That must be a wild feeling. Yeah, so yeah, I can. And that's why I say, in like even I don't have kids. Yeah. Now that my dad has passed away, like my mom is now my daughter now. And that's such a weird parents, thing. So you're not wrong. But here's the thing: she gonna always remind me that she is the parent oh, and I'm absolutely. the child. They 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 don't never forget that oh, like no. at all. But yeah. it's like I realize that because it's like every day I'm calling and I'm checking on her. I'm yeah. like, did you go on your morning walk, ma? <laughs> like you know what I mean? What, what we eating for dinner tonight, that. ma? Like you know what I mean? I like I'm that. I'm checking on her every day. But she also is understanding of the fact that I'm still young mm-hmm. and that I have a life to live as absolutely. well. Like you know what I mean? So. Yeah, works out. And a galaxy to get to. Yeah, um, <laughs> just joking. Um, all right. So my next question, and we only have two questions left before you can offer me or ask me any questions. But what is the ultimate version of Ross? Then, like when you think wave a magic wand, like everything falls right into place. You didn't even have to grow to get there. You just got it. Whatever you see, this as paint the picture for me. What are you doing if you had some time to think about that? What does that look like? An An empire. empire. I want to build an empire. Okay. I want to be married with kids. Mm -hmm. Empire. Billionaire. I'll just bitch like that. If I could wave a magic wand, I will be filthy rich. Okay. Married with a nanny and the kids. (laughs) Okay. All that. All right, I respect rich, that. So, having kids but not having to raise them all like that. I wouldn't say that. No, that, that sounds bad. That sounds I'm bad. No, but no. Have, you would have some extra help. I'll say yes, that. Yes, I would go. have some have extra, some extra help. help. I would Fair have enough. Some extra help. But it's Fair like enough. the joy that children bring you. And, yes. the, and you know what I mean? I grew up having both of my parents married. So, one day mm-hmm. I won't want that for myself. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, it's like the joy of being married, the joy of having children, like having that family bond. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it's like I would want more than one child yeah. because I grew up with a brother. Okay. So it's like, you know what I mean? I want at least two. Yeah. Um, but if that never happens for yeah. me, I am okay. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I am very much content mm-hmm. with serving God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And whatever the Lord has for me is mm-hmm. going to be specially made for me. And yeah. I realize as much as I would want that life, mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen for me, it just doesn't happen for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is what it is. You know how the old folks, yeah. you know, when you going to get married, when you yeah. going to have some kids and all I, of that. It's, it's not about that. To me. It's, to me, it's more so... You know what I mean? What am I doing on earth to make a difference and to yeah. serve a purpose? That's the key. 
I I would I I think that that's whether I'm married or single. That's the key. I, I feel like that's dope. I think, you know, this journey of life, I think what makes it so poetic is that you never know. Right. right like, you even, know. you know, all the celebrities or, you know, many people who weren't born into wealth often say like they didn't know when it was going to happen. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Right. It all happened at once. You know, when we see it even more so with people going viral. I think what's most important is that no matter what, we just set the right intentions. One of my favorite quotes as a nerd being a Star Wars fan, too, is that, you know, Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. And I've adopted that even in my own life. Like, I'll, I used to say a lot of times, or I might do that. I'm like, no, either I'm going to do it or I'm not going to say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so I would only offer that to you in saying that whatever version of yourself you have in your mind, set the intention and just see what happens, right? I think it's so easy for us to couch our expectations, but saying, but I'm okay if it doesn't happen. No, yeah. don't be okay if it doesn't happen. Want that for yourself and be just content with wherever life leads you because you never know when it might happen. But to not want something you know that you want is just denying yourself. Right. That's in true. In my opinion. So, That's true. Yeah. And then the last question would be, who are you now that you've done this podcast? So if oh you my to, God. <laughs> if you were to, the first question I asked you in the beginning was, who are you? And you answered it. I want to know if after, you know, doing this and, you know, listening to yourself, what would you, how would you answer that question? I would say that I am definitely more vulnerable for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Cause Tom, I don't talk about this stuff, but it's like, you know what I mean? I appreciate it. But it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm more, I feel like I'm more comfortable Mm -hmm. talking about these things. Yeah. For a long time, I was always silent. I didn't really talk about my wants and my desires, what makes me happy, what makes Mm -hmm. me sad, all of that. And you kind of brought all of that out for me. So I appreciate, shout out to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But I would say definitely vulnerable because that's something that I do not possess (laughs) is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I don't cry in front of people. I don't get emotional. Um, But if you ever see me crying, you know that I have reached the bottom. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like I feel like after this podcast after this interview mm-hmm. i'm definitely more vulnerable i'm definitely more comfortable sharing my story with people mm-hmm. and being more open about what i got going on and um you know just to kind of um voice my opinion in terms of wanting the best for everybody around mm-hmm. me you know what i mean i'm not a jealous or insecure person like i feel like everybody has insecurities <laughs> we all do that's just Absolutely. a part of being human beings but um You know, I want people around me to be successful. If I love and care about you, I want the best Mm -hmm. for you. And and, and I want to, for all of my friends and family that may be listening to this, I want them all to know that, um, that even if they surpass me, it is what it is. Because if I help them get to that level, that's going to make me happy. That I help somebody else along the way. My grandmother used to always say, if you can just help one person on this earth, then your living has not been in vain. And and I really I hold true that. to that. You know what I mean? I, I learned that. that as a child. If you could just help one person on this earth, absolutely, your living ain't in vain. So I, I definitely, I can wholeheartedly concur with that. The only thing that I think you might have left out intentionally or unintentionally is that as much as you see risk, you're supposed to look for opportunity. Too, so. There we go. All right. That's all. And, but you know what? This is what I'm saying. It's a two way street. That's I what I said. It's a two way street. And I embrace all of that. Like I've never had an issue with constructive criticism. No. I want people to tell me yeah. what I can approve of. And, and my, like, I love that. And my thing about it too, and, and I hope it doesn't come off as like, these are things I think, right? Yeah. These are the, this is what I'm hearing from you. Right. Because, Anytime someone does anything too much in one direction, it makes me think, well, why aren't you looking at this other thing? Right. Right. Not even because I don't know what your ultimate goal is and it's not for me to say, but I just think about that when when you were explaining, I'm like, 
great at assessing risk, but you forgot why we were doing this. My, I had a supervisor <laughs> that actually pulled me into an office after the meeting and, and said, I just want to let you know that, like, you know, you, you are super smart. Like, you think about these things that might come up whenever we're thinking about these events. But I also want to know how it could go well, too, sometimes. Like, I don't want it. It, it almost was like you're kind of a Debbie Downer whenever we're trying to <laughs> plan know, the events, so right? Bad. Like, I'm trying to, like, if we're brainstorming, if we're thinking about all the possibilities and thinking of that, it's not always great to have somebody looking at all the ways it could go wrong, right? Yeah. And, and not to say that that person is invaluable, but it's like both of those things are needed. And if one person becomes too valuable than the other, you lose productivity, right? Mm. If you got a bunch of dreamers that never consider what can go wrong, stuff starts falling apart, exactly. disaster, whatever, right? <laughs> a major but disaster. But if you got a bunch of people in the room saying, here's how everything can go wrong, they're just sitting in the room talking about how everything can go wrong. wrong. They're not and like doing you anything. said, Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be no Debbie Downer. <laughs> you got to be both. Because I'm, <laughs> I feel like I am an encourager. I there love to encourage people and like, but also, I'm yeah. a realistic nigga. Like, <laughs> I will tell you, then, I, the, like, if it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen. And we just, we, we got to be real. I'm not going to sell you a dream I when I know that it ain't, like, no, nah, I'm not going to sell you no dream. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I understand. And then what I, my answer would be to all the paradoxical things you said about yourself, like in a little bit of trap, I would say, <laughs> I would say be both then. Yeah. Be all of it. Be you all know, of like, it. like be like all that. of it. You know, like, don't be one or the other. So that's just my opinion. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for doing it. Now you get the sure. opportunity to ask me any questions that you have. So for sure. it's that opportunity. But I'm going to ask you my favorite question that you asked me because okay. it really, in my mind, <laughs> my mind was going in circles because yeah. I'm like, I can't believe you asked me that. Yeah. And then I'm actually answering it. <laughs> um, what are you afraid of? What am I, I love of? that question because yeah. It forces you again. Mm -hmm. I came to this podcast not knowing a damn thing what you were <laughs> yeah. gonna ask me, um, yeah. and that is a question that's mm -hmm. not easy to answer. Yeah. So I want to know from you, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? I, I think it's, I think it's being seen as inadequate, mm -hmm. um, not being seen as good enough, and I think because for so much of my life I've not seen myself as good enough, and then when I started to be seen as good enough. I didn't like how I responded to the other side of it. Right. Like I like, I didn't like how the person I became when I had too much attention. Yeah. So now it's like, you know, how do I put myself, my authentic self out there? Not the version of me that I think everybody wants, you know, who was one version of me and not the fully, you know, you know, uh, timid version of me that doesn't think he's good enough. How do I blend those two things together to be the the confident yet fully articulated version of myself and stand on that you know mm -hmm. and and be willing to take the scrutiny the ridicule whatever may come with that but also like i said looking at opportunity the the uniqueness the the rewards from the universe whatever that come with that as well so yeah. I, I think my fear is like you know all of that just not being good enough though but you, you know? know what i can relate to that in a sense that, because I feel like I grew up a lot feeling like I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, in terms, you know how it is. Yeah, wearing glasses. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Being bigger than most yeah. kids. Like, Tell you know me about I mean? it. Like, I, I, I went through all of that, not being good enough. And 
Like, that is the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I give you any advice, I don't yeah. want you to ever feel that way. Well, Seriously. I because it's like, that. as one black man to another, yeah. it is so hard out here. And mm-hmm. there's so many people that are expecting for us to fail and that's expecting for us to not be good. Yeah. But you can't allow them. You can't. Because what I've learned over my life, and the mm-hmm. short life that I've lived is that people are going to talk about you. They going to always have something to say. Yeah. And it's like you have to exhibit that confidence that mm-hmm. you don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. You just have to. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that as a Capricorn, as a fellow Capricorn yeah. as well, yeah. I think that that will eventually become easy for you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, this podcast, for example, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I think it's wonderful. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm comfortable sitting here talking to you. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And as a as a person that's not Oh, so open all the time yeah. about my life. You you opened up that door for me to I do that. that. So definitely be proud of that. Be mm-hmm. proud of, you know what I mean, for all the things that you're trying to do. Because situation, you gave me some confidence. So I want to <laughs> give it to you. Well, I want to return right a favor. I appreciate sure. that. that. That means a lot to me. Like, I, I think that it's definitely been, you know, this podcast doing it again. I remember starting and. I had a vision for it. Like, I'm like, you know, I, I've seen all the successful ones. I want cameras and all of this and all of that. And I kept thinking of all of these reasons not to start. And I was like, you just got to start. Just got to do it. You know, and it may be not be good enough at the beginning. Stuff might not, whatever. But it's like, you'll learn. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've kind of settled into is that, you know, I still deal with that insecurity here and there. I'll hear myself or even in other aspects of my life. But it's like, if you just keep doing the work, because the one thing I am proud of myself is that I'm a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you just keep doing the work, it'll just pay off. Yeah. Just keep doing the work. I'm and definitely that's, prime that's all I cared about. That. So I appreciate well, I appreciate you sharing. Any other questions for me? I don't know if you have any other nah, questions. No, that for me. that was the major okay, one because okay. it's like I feel like out of all the questions <laughs> you asked me, that was the one that really hit my soul because it's yeah. like, damn, I'm really about to be vulnerable. <laughs> like I'm the world about to know what I'm afraid of. It's like, oh, oh no, you man. can't do that. You can't but, let the world know what a Capricorn's afraid hey, of. You're right like, about God. that. No, nah, but no, I, I, I'm listen, I, I appreciated it. And I feel like I learned a lot from this. Interview. Well, well, thank you so much. Clap it up for Roz coming through. man. I appreciate the work. Man. That's all I got. man. Clap it up. <laughs>